Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, this is Jessie Tu. And I'm Helen Stenbeck. And you're listening to another podcast episode of Asian Bitches Down Under. Recording this currently in Darlington in Sydney, and Helen, you are in the Central Coast. Yeah, an hour and 45 minutes away from you. Yeah, an hour and 45 minutes away. Um, before we say um, launch into this, this week's podcast, Helen, it's your birthday, so that's exciting. Oh, Happy thank birthday. You. <laughs> um, it's a ludicrously gorgeous day outside. I've been hold up writing articles um, for public uh, publications all day and it feels kind of just it feels weird to be stuck all day so I'm I'm like craving to go out for a run later but um, before we launch into this week's topic of divorce and marriage why I wanted to um, ask Helen how you're how you've been feeling these past couple of days about what's been going on in the United States and around the world of the um, backlash and retaliation from the death of George Floyd from last Monday, um, two mm-hmm. Mondays ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I ask you this in mm-hmm. uh, with full awareness that there's just been an extraordinary amount of mm-hmm. hyper-commentary around what's been going on. Ugh. But just generally, how are you feeling about it? What have you been thinking uh, it's it's very complicated for me. I mean, it's not complicated. It's very straightforward to me, but I just got a lot of mm. mixed feelings about it, you know. Mm. Um, I'm trying, I mean, it's just a little over a week now and, you know, things just keeps on escalating and building up, you know. You see protests first. I mean, when the first video um, came on onto the social media, I, I can't The video watch of it. him yeah. actually Yeah, I couldn't watch it either. I couldn't um, watch so it. So the New York Times yeah. The New York Times made around a, a, a video. They do the the New York Times do extraordinary videos of mm-hmm. kind of they capture a um sort of packaged way of stories and they did the mm-hmm. one a few days ago that was just under nine minutes and I could not watch it because I literally I was cooking dinner while I was watching it mm-hmm. and just hearing George Floyd's voice I just, I could, like, I, I felt, and I'm not even black. Like, I'm not even yeah, black, yeah. right? And it's I just felt a human choked thing. up. Yeah, yeah, I just could not keep going on because it felt like, it felt, I felt sick. You know, it just yeah. literally made me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't watch it. And also, I, I, I listened to the audio recording, like, just not even a minute of it. I, I couldn't continue. Mm. You know, I'm trying not to be disturbed about what's happening in the world. I mean, mm. It's extremely hard, you know, with the access of internet. Yeah. And social media, you know, the notifications, if you turn it off, but it's hard not wanting to know what's going on, you know, and you desperately what? want to know what's happening. Why do you want to know what's happening? Uh, well, uh, apart from, you know, with the COVID-19, you know what's happening around you, myself, you know, everyone's selves. And... Um, you just want to know if any action's been taken from either side mm. that's de-escalate. Mm. But um, it's just been hard because the time that, you know, what happened with 
George Floyd came out, I was on to my final chapter of reading Michelle Obama's Becoming. Mm-hmm. And there was, um, she wrote something about um, uh, the um, black people being, you know, the shootings in America when Obama was in his final term. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and the young yeah. girl, the young girl yeah, who just got girl, randomly shot. Yeah. 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 And, I don't know if I do you mind if I just read like yeah a, um, a little bit like yeah a, sure go ahead yeah the um, paragraph sorry um here's the one that says that the homicide rate in Chicago was going up rather than down a black teen named Michael Brown which yeah we all know uh, yeah. was shot by a cop in Ferguson Missouri his body left in the middle of the road for hours a black teen named Laquan McDonald was shot sixteen times by police in Chicago, including nine times in the back. A black boy named Tamar Rice was shot dead by the police in Cleveland while playing with a toy gun. And a black man named Freddie Gray died after being neglected in police custody in Baltimore. A black man named Eric Garner was killed by police after being put in choke holding during his arrest on Staten Island. All this was evidence of some pernicious and unchanging in america it's just it every one of those black men that their death was caused by police it's yeah. not like what we've seen you know what we used to think that it's like gang fighting yeah exactly or some it's, sort of mm. um conflicts domestic violence and things like that it's police yeah 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 and, and often have, white police mm-hmm. yeah often, often white yeah. police yeah yeah, so you have something to say about this because you you written um, on woman's agenda about what's happening as well, didn't I th- you? Yeah, but I I mean I wasn't able to articulate all the complex and layered and just uh, I have a I I think I had I just have a lot of things that I felt in the last few days that I want to really address. So number mm-hmm. one, um, just if if there there are there are a couple of things I want to kind of break down here. And I've been thinking a lot about what's happening in the US and feeling really overwhelmed and anguished. And this feeling of anguish really comes like there's this one song that I feel really channels and espouses what the feeling, the emotional and the psychological visceral um, feeling that I've had. And it's Fiona Apple's um, rendition of um, the the uh, the Beatles across the universe. It's such a depressing song, and it really captures the tragic reality that I feel that like I want. Obviously, I feel that every single one of us has a duty to really continue feeling and performing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I want to. I don't want to say performing hope, but it's we're all obliged to continue living with this hope that things will change but mm-hmm. this this overwhelming feeling of um sickened kind of despair i felt was because like uh, before this whole thing um exploded in the last in the last 10 12 days i was reading um i'm a part of a book club um with my great friend adam chen who's a journalist in toronto he started a book club of canadian authors um, mm-hmm. And we're reading um, this book by Tanya Talaga, 
and it's called The Seven Fallen Feathers. And it's about First Nations students in Thunder Bay who were, um, and the inquest into their deaths. Um, okay, yep. Uh, in, around the early 2000s. And mm-hmm. it's just like, like I'm listening, because I'm listening to an audiobook, and yep. I just listened to it, and like everything she's saying, I just remember sitting there in my car when I when I drive and listen to it. I I just I sit in the car and I hear what she's saying about First Nations students in Canada and First Nations people in Canada, and it's like almost word for word the stories and the way they're treated and the realities for them are exactly the same in in Australia. And it was just yeah. so, it just made me feel sick. And then I thought, and then this happened in the States. And I, I just, that was one thing that I felt um, just kind of, it just made me feel physically like, I don't know if things are ever going to change. Mm-hmm. The next yeah, thing, I, sorry, yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I, just I was just going to say... mention that um, because you referenced Roxane Gay's um, what she wrote about no nobody's coming to save to us. To save us, yeah, in her, her yeah, op-ed. extremely sad. Yeah. And also um, I looked up, uh, Jessica Valenti actually wrote something about it as well. Her article, um, police are hurting people, uh, the police are hurting people because they want to how she's describing that the actions from the authorities is coming directly from Trump. You know, his mm. words of yeah. giving the police the power to attack innocent people who are protesting the systematic racism. You know, when, when you have the authority that's up there, it's, it, you know, it's hard for... You can understand why Roxanne Gay is saying that, you know, nobody's coming to save us. Mm, mm. Yeah. 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 Um, and I just want to say... When I when I read the book about First Nations students and mm-hmm. First Nations communities in Canada, when I say it sounds exactly the same as what's happening in Australia, I don't obviously I don't mean their stories are exactly that are anything you know similar. They're similar, but um, mm-hmm. I mean obviously they're different groups of communities. But what I'm saying is like they face very systemic, fundamental issues that are very 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 much what the Indigenous and Torres Strait Islanders and First Nations people in Australia face like land rights you know and um incarcer- over over representation in incarcerated um um prisons you know incarceration yep. and mm-hmm. um alcohol violence and um, mm-hmm. drug abuse like you know it's just and homelessness and it it was just overwhelming um to sort of link all that back um and and i think the other there are two main things i really wanted to address um i think i it started off so i'm really annoyed i'm really mm-hmm. annoyed at the fact that um there are two things i'm annoyed at one is the way in which australia acts like this little brother this like little brother to um america so anything yep. that erupts in the us just australia just latches onto like a pathetic little brother with no identity of its own you know i see this with a lot of children who are the second kid like the second in the family they all often follow the the older sibling um and i feel like yeah like so for instance people are now this is great by the way the fact that people are now spreading on social media the the um the guardian the guardian have done this amazing database of aboriginal Mm -hmm. deaths in custody and um that piece of 
Excellent Journalism was published in April last year. And how many people actually looked at it? You I know? think it would be very few. It, just, yeah. Just thinking about the, the reporter that's in US that has no recognition oh, of what's happening no, in no, yeah, let's, Australians. Let's mention, yeah, let's mention yeah. that some other time. Um, she's not even... That, that aspect, aspect is not really worth our time at the moment. But, like, it, why did it take something for something to happen like this in the United mm-hmm. States, which really has the optics of a revolution, you know? Yeah. And this is what people love, right? The moment something happens with that kind of optics, um, mm-hmm. Australians just latch onto it and suddenly we're forced to look at, like, we're forced to look at um, our um, Indigenous population and the mm-hmm. maltreatment that they face. And now it's supposedly, like, in the last week or so, it's now really cool to go online and you know, post, um, post really like aesthetically pleasing, um, templates of Martin Luther King and, um, James Baldwin quotes. And now like in the last couple of days, it's like all my, uh, Instagram feeds are like just black tiles, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so that's the other thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Blackout Tuesday. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm also equally so angered by this performance of like you care this performance of social justice i hate that so much because like the 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 people who are really doing this work are not going online and they're not posting you know pictures of them going to rallies and they're not um you know like retweeting shit that someone else has said and it's it's just I, i like i have this absolutely daunting dread that in three weeks time Everyone's gonna forget about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it feels like a fade for some people. Um, it's a very mixed um, emotions happening on my feed, like like my social media feed. Mm-hmm. So I have some friends who um, support. Like I, I have a couple friends that have similar values and ideas like us. So they've always been very into social justice. You know they they're willing to talk about it they don't, they're not scared of you know um exploring uncomfortable discussions or conversations um whereas you you can definitely tell that people some people will just post it because will will come up and talk about it because it's probably interrupting their life you know um it's such a big thing on you know on on the, every news station so we'll talk about it and people will follow the fade you know and then like you said, perhaps three weeks later, um, we don't know whether or not we're not we're unsure if it's gonna continue. Um, people are going to actually commit to do something or com- commit to you know look up and research yeah. and yeah, find exactly. out what you actually can do. And then like yeah. have relationships with people of color, like you know. That's right. That yeah. that's just something that really. It's it's, it's something people don't really. I don't know, like, I often look at people who are in the media and I follow their Instagram feed and you see Mm -hmm. the pictures of them at parties and I find this very Uh indicative. Like, you can tell a lot by a person, by the friends Mm -hmm. that they have and if they all have white friends, that says a lot Mm -hmm. to me. That says you don't engage with people unlike yourself. You don't care about anyone whose stories are, or lives are different to yours. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And like that for me is completely indicative of the sort of person you are, you know, that mm-hmm. you're not empathetic, that you're not like interested, you're not intellectually interested or you're com- not compassionate mm-hmm. or you're not, you're just not curious. You're not curious and you're not willing to, to, to reach to out, explore. You know, yeah, yeah, to mm-hmm. reach out, you know, um, and, and so that really bothers me. But, um, uh, what I also have been found really viscerally insulting is a lot of media companies, media outlets and platforms have been in the last few days, um, writing on the byline or at the back or the very end of the article saying, like, I'll quote this one from a news outlet. It says, we can all help by advocating for people of color and ensuring we are actively taking part in the conversation to dismantle systemic racism. Yeah, well, let me say, after that, I went and looked at the masthead and saw how many writers of colour they had, and, like, obviously one? zero. Yeah, one or two. <laughs> zero. Yeah, zero, yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's just, I really hate, and this is something Gio Tolentino writes about, um, kind of on a... She sprinkles around this issue in one of her essays in her fantastic um, essay collection called Trick Mirror. And um, she mm-hmm. says, it, like... It's virtue signaling. This thing mm-hmm. now that millennials, like now these days with our social media, like what I really dread about being someone who is considered a millennial, you know, I'm in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this, mm-hmm. it's this um, mandatory existence that I have to have the online mm-hmm. like I have to be online and I hate that like there's me mm-hmm. I, I there's me and you know the physical me and the way I move through the world which is now basically mm-hmm. mostly around the home um mm-hmm. but then there's me and the identity that I have online and I hate that I have to cast that I hate that I have to spend so much of my physical hours monitoring and cu- curating this very 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 um I wouldn't say it's fake, but it's definitely mm-hmm. selected. It's, it's selective, you know, this selective performance of my identity online. And my mm-hmm. identity online from Facebook is different to LinkedIn, is different to Instagram, is different to Twitter, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hate that. It's like, it's almost like, and you know the you know the tile, the famous tile where people have different images of them and then they label um, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, the yep. different shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I feel like living in the world today as a 32-year-old, um, you're forced to be someone who has a myriad of faces. There is no back screen. There is no backstage mm-hmm. where I get to relax. Like I have to be on all the time and I have to be aware mm-hmm. that I'm being seen all the time. And I hate this need. I hate that I'm forced to perform different roles. Like It's almost like it's mm-hmm. not Janice. You know Janice, that um, Greek two-faced mythical creature two-faced yep yep yeah uh-huh. like it's like we have four or five faces now and i hate that yeah i hate that mm-hmm. i think that's <laughs> <laughs> sorry i didn't prepare anything for anything for <laughs> for this <laughs> this discussion but i can understand what you're what you mean as in you know like because we're expanding into the world you know different criterias of us that is needed to face you know differently online you know on on the on the subject of that that i just want to quickly mention that it is our mm. 10th episode oh um, wow yeah you know it's such an amazing milestone you know for me as a 
I'm not gonna use a Chinese、um, proverb. 三分钟热度 I'm I'm like a three minute temperament person. What does so, that mean? I love that. Ah,、uh, it's it means that I'm interested in something, but it doesn't take me long time to follow up. I mean, with、oh、social justice. Oh my god! I used to be like you know, that. Mm. And I think most people are actually most people are like that. Yeah,、say. so it, I think it's a good achievement for me. You know,、uh, we we never really spoke our intention of starting the podcast or the purpose of the podcast, and then、um, I think you, you know we continued. Yeah, we we spoke that like you, you roughly last year. Yeah, I I think、yeah. how it started was um so Helen and I we we're very close. Our family are like my best friends. I'm like I literally in the last couple of years I've thought. There is no one I can think of, and I have a, like a billion—not to boast—but I have a lot of friends, and <laughs> I don't, th- I can't think of anyone who is as close as I am to my siblings and my parents as I am, and I feel、mm-hmm. like I'm so blessed to have、um, call my siblings my best friends. Like that's fucking rare, you know. And、yeah. so Helen and I, we we like see our parents at least once a week, and one of our meetings at our parents' place. We kind of thought we're always talking about really interesting things, and wouldn't it be interesting、mm-hmm. to share this with other people? And specifically, I wanted to reach out to Taiwanese people because I feel、mm-hmm. like I don't meet enough、yeah. Taiwanese people in Australia. Yeah, I know it's it's brilliant because I thought that was just something fun to do, and you know, but then having a space of ourselves to speak our minds. You know that I've got like a mild speech impediment, so it was a bit an- anxiety, yeah, anxiety issue. So I think it's a great, you know, platform for us to express ourselves and share ideas and p- opinions. And on the subjects that you mentioned,、um, reaching out to Taiwanese or you know other, you know, just other Asians. Yeah, and, exactly.、Um, should we talk about?、Uh, we've got some listeners. Yeah,、response. it was great. <laughs>、uh, we had a heat, like a、uh, bunch of listeners'、yeah. responses this week. It was really, really exciting to get that. that. Yeah, I I want to highlight it. You know,、uh, Liam. You know, thank you so much for your positive feedback on the episode of the white male and Asian female.、Uh, he mentioned that our podcast is great, and he he liked how we、um, share our experience and also spoke about how social grooming and conditioning. You know, probably how it structures our ideas. Yeah, and also like the whole tall、yeah. thing. Like we're、yeah. attracted to tall men. Yeah, yeah, biological. Yeah, yeah. And yeah,、amazing. and、Thank、also so shout、much. out to an amazing、yeah. listener who I've been engaging with in the last couple of days, who I've promised I wouldn't、um, mm-hmm. identify, but、mm-hmm. um, they are um, just it, an incredible person. I, I, she's,、uh, she or him, <laughs> she or they are so <laughs> incredibly like in my eyes, famous yeah, and、I、talented, and I just I'm bursting to talk about、yeah. them. Um, but um, maybe in the future, if if I get their permission. But like the the rhetoric that we I have had with this person has been absolutely heartwarming. Yeah, yeah and they life, are brilliant.、Uh, life affirming.、Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really really stoked about the engagement people have had with us in the last couple of days. So thank you for that. Um, I just want to move on by saying、mm-hmm. like, I've been thinking a lot about the stuff that's happening in the U.S. And my mind always、yeah. returns、mm-hmm. back to the power of culture, and really,、mm-hmm. really how it sets the ways in which the world operates. So I've been thinking a lot about how racism is something that's sort of like air; it gets into everything. 
And I've been thinking a lot about how important it is for us to acknowledge the power of movies and series and books and arts and video games and all that we consume, like yep, the everyday definitely. stuff that we're not really talking about at this point in time um, and what that means and how that sets the tone for how we see the world and how that... I really honestly mm-hmm. think, and I'll keep saying this until I'm 99 years old, I really think that movies determine and also, and set the way we see the world and how and our beliefs. And so, like, if we continue, yeah, yeah. like, in the last couple of days, I've seen a lot of films, which if we have time, we'll get into. Um, I've been thinking, like, if we continue to have films that center the central character as a white person, um, as a man, as a heterosexual, mm-hmm. as a lot of the films in the last couple of days I've seen have been, then there is no room for us. There is mm-hmm. no incentive. There's no encouragement or there's no calling out for us to extend mm-hmm. ourselves. Like, there's no call to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. Like, at the root of what's going on. Yeah. Like, And I'm also reading American Psycho and, and, and like, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, mm-hmm. Patrick Bateman is a psychopath. You know, um, but I'm all, I've also been yeah. watching um, the um, series on Netflix about Jeffrey Epstein and horrified by the way in which this guy, this narcissist, has no empathy. You know, that's what narcissism, you know, one of the traits. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> what really shocks me about yep. what I'm seeing mm-hmm. is I look back to a lot of the white boyfriends I've had in the past and I'm shocked by how much um, they resemble traits of stuff. I'm not saying my past boyfriends mm-hmm. were pedophiles, um, but um, they were really... <laughs> there was this kind of centering of their priorities always it was just always assumed it was always assumed that their way was the only way and they were never really like honestly Uh like so much of the root of what I'm going through what I had been through and also the Mm -hmm. conversations I've been having with a couple of girlfriends in the past few weeks about the relationship between a woman and a man I'm not even speaking specifically about a white man right now um it's just mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. problem where a man literally cannot extend himself and put himself in the shoes mm-hmm. of someone else. And I feel like this is a very, very systemic yeah. problem that has to do with culture. Like, look at the books that young boys are reading. Look at the movies that young yeah. boys are watching. It's, it's, it's very yeah, universal. Like, it's very universal across the, all cultures. Yeah, ethics, so, like, it's just yeah. like, if you're not someone who embodies anything that's being shown on the screen. So, like, for instance, if you're watching Ryan Gosling in The First Man, if you're not a man, um, if, if you're not straight like Ryan Gosling is, if you're not cis like Ryan Gosling is, mm-hmm. um, it is assumed that you have to do all the emotional and psychological work to empathise with him, to feel for him. So you're really putting yourself mm-hmm. right into his psyche. Mm-hmm. And when... When and so like let me ask you when was that done for a coloured person with as much reverence, you know when was that done for a disabled person when was that done for a transgender? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. studios in Hollywood are made up of yeah. straight white men who only want to put money into projects that will frame them, people who look like them as the centre, where their lives and their problems and their interiorities are the focus and the only thing that is worthy of our consumption. You know so like. I honestly think, like, in the last yeah. couple of days, I've been uh, counselling a lot of my closest girlfriends about some of the relationship issues that have been coming up in the last 
um, few weeks with the pandemic mm-hmm. and with their male partners and husbands. And it's just literally, Helen, it is the mm-hmm. same problem. Like men, they react the same way. Uh, They're like, they yeah. don't even, like, so for instance, one of my girlfriends um, just like, she called out something that made her, like the action of her partner had wounded her, like deeply wounded her. And it was a completely, completely mm-hmm. understandable mm-hmm. wound. And yet when she brought it up with him, he was mm-hmm. actually just like, what? What like how like he was shocked by her mm. um, reaction mm. and also could not even number one he couldn't even apologize number two he couldn't even try to step into her shoes like and I and I just thought this mm-hmm. is like yeah. this is a problem of cultural education like these men just grow up in a world where they're mm-hmm. not encouraged to think for another person. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think this is a good time we jump into our main topic today. The reason why we want to talk about um, relationships and marriage um, between mm-hmm. heterosexual couples because we haven't really looked into, you know, same-sex couples, which yeah, we do, want, really yeah. want to in the future. Yeah. Um, with um, I started looking at this topic. We, we started of talking divorce. about this topic yeah. because we cannot, we cannot, yeah, of divorce. Uh, we came, came across with a piece a of... great um, op-ed. Yeah. Oped from New York, yeah, New York Times, um, written about this guy. His name is Matthew Bright, and talking about a blog piece he has written in 2016. Um, the piece is called "She Divorced Me Because I Left Dishes by the Sink." I love that. Okay, mm. so it, it um, so the the article was a, a a writing that you know just mentioning that little things that. Uh, Matthew didn't does and had made detrimental uh, impacts to his previous marriage, so his divorce, of course. And he, at that time, he didn't think it was a big deal, you know. For example, leaving used glass glasses at the sink rather than putting them into the mm-hmm. dishwasher. And he went on by saying that um, feeling respected by others is important to men, you know, as if it's saying that only men want to feel respected. I know. Oh I, I feel this so annoying and sounds like the word respect, the standard is set yeah, by exactly. the man, you know, exactly. without consult consulting with any other people, for example, women or people of minority. Um of course that he came around, you know, he, he changed his mentality has shifted since his divorce. He actually move into thinking in the you know, perspective of woman, you know, and the wife position. Yeah. Wow. And and it's just ludicrous that that's rare. Saying, yeah, and he said he goes on saying that wives do not become the husband's mother, which for most it, women, yeah, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't even know how to frame this, but um, in my in my opinion, in my experience, I've seen so many like my female friends who have experienced similar situation of what Matthew has written in his article. They say that the male partner, husband, doesn't do... Like, they just take up space. I literally want to use the term taking up space in their household. You know, just leaving things around yeah, the house. It's like, too. geez, it's a shared environment. Why do you have to take up so much space? It's like they feel entitled because now they're married. I, I guess it's because perhaps that when they were growing up, that's how their parents interact. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And... 
you know, the mother had always put yep. up with her and now they expect their wife to put up with her as well. Can I just um, say, I think that's also why a mm-hmm. lot of men tend to get married much faster after divorce than women because um, men use... They just need to take well, like, be, they need to be care, taken care of. Also, um, they use women as an emotional crux. Like women are the sounding board mm-hmm. of their emotional landscape. Like and I yeah. feel like um yeah. like yeah. I um my I'm currently unattached and my sort of if I look back on my dating past um dating history my um length between partners has been much longer than men that I've noticed and I think it's because I have like women tend mm-hmm. to have a really really great network of female friends where they get to talk about their emotional lives and they get to talk mm-hmm. about their emotions whereas men feel like like I'm reading Peggy Austin's new book um Boys and Sex and um she says that mm-hmm. um a lot of young boys they um only feel like they're able to talk about their emotions with their girlfriends so it's like women are only there to either like fuck or talk about emotions or cook cook for them or clean for them it's like this cycle of female roles that we are honestly continuing to replicate into our next generation. I honestly don't think things are going to change unless, mm. you know, unless we have better more movies and more books, you know, like, you know, the ch- mm-hmm. change all those things I talked about and I just ranted about 10 minutes ago. Yeah. I think it is really important because we're talking in perspective of feminism. You know, we would not, we shouldn't be really just talking about how should we, we like female has been progressive in the past, you know, half century, which is really good. But I think at the same time, you know, men really need to step up and I don't know, I just stop saying that feminism is not good. You know, we're looking out for you as well. You know, we're, we're bringing this up this kind of conversations to talk about it so you it is okay to talk to your mates about feelings emotions your grief things like that i'll just i'll just quickly finish okay, yeah. that what matthew is doing you know so so someone I, I think he he have uh collaborated with other men um and in establishing a website called the good man project you know um I really like the concept, but I don't like the name. I don't know why you have to call it a good man. It's like all the men should yeah. be doing this. Um, anyway, um, it is should be compulsory to the old man. Uh, so it uh, on their website, they call themselves that it is a glimpse of what enlightened masculinity might look like in 21st century. So the website explores the world of men and manhood in a way that no media company has uh, tackling the issues and questions of and are most relevant to men's life. Say, you know, so they write about fatherhood, family, and sex, ethics, war, gender, politics, um, and, and yeah, what it means to be a man today. Say, um, I don't want to know what it means yeah, to be a man. Yeah, so their content reflects... Yeah, like, I just think I, that I think, question is... I think they're giving advice. They're giving advice of, you know, how you could shift your mentality away from the traditional toxic... Uh, masculinity yeah okay yeah, your turn <laughs> um yeah yeah no um i, I want to keep talking about matthew um and his op-ed which we'll link in our show notes was really good like i felt two things like number one mm-hmm. i was really 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 happy that a man was stepping up to talk about these things and uh, and i was also mm-hmm. repulsed by my 
happiness. Like I was repulsed by my reaction. Like I shouldn't have been. Like I read it and I was like, oh, this guy's great that he's pointing out the sort of like just men don't talk about things that have been labeled domestic. Men don't talk about marriages. Men don't mm-hmm. write books about marriages mm-hmm. like women do. Men write books about mm-hmm. politics and science, yeah. you know. And so I was happy that there was mm-hmm. this guy, a white dude, who um, who mm-hmm. actually came out to say, uh, guys, your marriage is the most important thing in your life. And I actually, I mean, I might change my thoughts about this, but when I was younger, I'd ask my mum, what's more important, mum? Um, a bed, a, to, for me to find a good career or for me to find a good husband? And my mum said, like, downright, mm-hmm. hands down, she said, um a good husband. And I was always really, really annoyed by that. Um, because I mm. felt like I had more control in finding a good career than finding a good husband. Like I felt, yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. but, yeah. um, but now I completely agree with her. Like who you spend your life with, like if, even if I end up winning the Pulitzer prize or Nobel prize, none of that would matter if I'm married to a fuckhead, you know, like the person you're yeah, married to, someone that you're going to yeah, be with. It's, it's so important. It's such a reflex and on your I know. life. You know, it's and just reflecting yes, on your life. Yes, and so I was glad yeah. that he was pinpointing that in this op-ed, you know, that men, let's, like, mm-hmm. take time to think about your emotional lives, you know. Um, and then, like like Annabelle Crabb says in her book, which we'll go on to talk about, um, The Wife Drought, which I believe was published maybe four or five years ago, quite a long time now. Annabelle Crabb mm-hmm. is an Australian mm-hmm. commentator. Um, and she writes about how the workplace is not really going to change unless things at the home change, you know, like if there's no cultural mm-hmm. shift in the way in which parental leave is yep. being taken, then things aren't going to change, you know, like I taught at schools for a yeah. number of years and I saw that parent-teacher interviews and anything to do with parent evenings were always attended by mothers and they're still mm-hmm. like, I understand, like I get it. If I'm a guy, I would probably feel pressured to go back to work after my baby comes out ASAP because there's a cultural weight on my shoulder to, you know, provide for the family. Mm-hmm. I get that, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. we need more men coming out to say, we to normalise. Like, we feel yeah. like that for yeah, our dad. To no- mm-hmm. I think we need more white men and just men of every race. But I do acknowledge the fact that white men mm-hmm. have more cultural power um that at least mainstream cultural power um that we need more of those men to come out and normalize that and i think to be honest that that's not really going to change anytime soon because um childbearing and domestic work is still seen as lesser because we function on a world that prioritizes money and capitalism and so like childcare and um domestic labor all of that is either either unpaid or very badly paid and so like there is no cultural worth very, around mm-hmm. it you know like mm-hmm. you you take a yeah. guy who goes like goes into the office on a monday morning or a guy who stays home and is in his pjs looking after his three-year-old like i want that three that that ladder man to feel just as just as valued, valued by society as that former man but mm-hmm. at the moment i don't see that happening yeah i think it's very difficult at the moment in the sense that uh we refer back to what matthew was saying in his um blog piece um he, he mentioned that most guys don't know that um you know 
just a piece of gla glasses living by the sink, not removing it to the dishwasher. You know, she's fighting for, most wives are trying to fight for acknowledgement, respect and validation, and also his love. Um, I think the definition of marriage is just really different for men <laughs> yeah, yeah. and women. You know, I think that's yeah. a major, major, major yeah, issue yeah, here. Yeah. Like we don't acknowledge or have the similar idea when you walk yeah. into marriage, when you you know, when you first get married. You know, it's all, it's all. I don't know how to describe it. I think um, it's all very fairy tale for a lot of people. Like if you, especially when you grow up with a parent, if you you've grown up with parents that don't fight in front of you or trying to hide it or doesn't express emotionally the kid's gonna think yeah that's that's the objectives that i want in my yeah. life and in saying that you know what what Matthew was saying that in his p in his blog piece um it's not really about uh the the, the it's not really about the glass that he left by the sink it's whether or not that he respects her I think earlier on that you were saying that you know a lot of men that they don't acknowledge they don't acknowledge and they don't put themselves in the shoes of other people. I think it happens, um, it happens so frequently in marriage as well. Yeah, because they're not. Yeah. They're, there's no. They're not trained to. You know, like you marry. Yeah, they're like, not if, trained to. And then, like yeah, if I meet a guy and he's thirty five, that's thirty five years that I have not been in. Where he has lived mm -hmm. in a world in a like, mm -hmm. say if I meet a white thirty five year old a straight white heterosexual thirty five year old, that's thirty five years of mm -hmm. being told that you are the fucking king of the world, and I and I am yeah, not prepared yeah, to so... spend the rest of my life helping him dismantle that because number one, mm -hmm. he needs to want to do mm -hmm. it. Number two, um, I would yeah, probably be yeah. there. Just it's not no, your it's responsibility. Not responsibility. Yeah, exactly. And I, would, I feel like I would just yeah. be so angry all the time that I'm being the educator and he's being the student. And it's like he's and he'll probably feel good about the fact that he's being woken up by me. You know, like oh, every yeah. single movie is like the woman enlightening the guy. You know, like fuck that. <sighs> um, that's not my job. You know, uh -huh, I am the uh -huh. hero of my own story. And mm -hmm. I think. I love yeah. I love that you brought up the 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 idea that when two people come in they need to really negotiate and really be blunt about what they expect out of their marriage because like mm -hmm. uh, still historically like it's only been the last 200 years where uh, 150 years where women are like even shorter in length I think I'm trying to untangle um, mm -hmm. my thoughts inside my head right now are entangled like I'm thinking about the wedding and I'm thinking about marriage and then like it's only mm -hmm. been the last century or so that marriage has kind of at least been a bit un like the idea of marriage historically has been a woman as a wife as a ch as a property right and I ha and and mm -hmm. mind you like there's so many countries in the world that remain that still harbor these and legislate these attitudes of women being the property of the mm -hmm. man. So, like, let's not forget that. Yeah. That seriously, it's still yeah. fucking prevalent. Um, and and mm -hmm. like in uh, in our societies, let's just say in Australia, we think we've moved on from the idea of that. Um, but I think, like, if you 
have this picture in your head um, of just imagine a line, like a horizontal line in front of your eyes. Like, mm-hmm. and I'd say like 90% of this line, um, most of this line is um, is black and there's a little part at the, at the end that's white. And this white part is where we're at at the moment. And the shift away from this historically entrenched idea of a woman being a chattel and a woman being owned by a man like you can't compete with history you can't compete with the longevity of that narrative of a wife being you know Mm -hmm. the the property of a man and like honestly Mm -hmm. like i'm not saying this because it's an opinion even though it is an opinion but it is backed up by research yeah facts Facts. um Mm -hmm. A woman's life, like a woman and her goals and her dreams and her priorities diminish in a way that it doesn't when a man gets married. Like a man's livelihood generally increases. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I just, and I see this in all, it's not just marriages. I see this in all the relationships around me and I have the wokest of woke friends and their relationships are the wokest Mm -hmm. of woke friends. But I am still hearing my female friends tell me that there, that there are still gaps in which they find themselves pushing up against these very much entrenched, unconscious behaviors that men continue to display, um, and it's because mm-hmm. that they have grown up with history behind them. You know, there's I just feel yeah. a sort of more mortifying, horrified belief, disbelief that. Um, Things aren't going to change anytime soon because because we're facing up against history, and there's no, mm-hmm. there's no. I, I can't see a way around that unless like the, the line that I spoke about, that little white line, um, has to just grow into mm-hmm. into like a longer line. So I guess what I'm saying, um, essentially what I'm saying is that in five hundred years time at least 500 years' time, things might be different. 500. I'd, I'd give it 500. Yeah, I think 500. I, I don't want to weigh in to 500 years. <laughs> I think um, there was a study about how gender equality evolving and it will take another 100 years for us to reach that equality. I don't know whether or not that's going to be true. Uh, I, I do hope so. Um I think it takes everyone's effort to move into that gold, um, not just us talking about here. And it, it takes a lot of people's efforts, especially the people who have kids. You know, you want your first, next generations to be better than us. And in, in saying so, you know, um, I mean, what I do it in my household. You know, I, I don't want. Like, because I know that my partner is someone else's kid, you know, I'm not his mother. So I, I'm, I, my marriage has been, you know, there's up and downs and I've experienced what, you know, Matt has spoken. No, I, I, yeah, I just laugh because um, you know how a lot of people say, a lot of wives say, oh, um, I've got like three kids mm. at back home, like a child and like an actual child and my husband. Like uh, yeah. that rhetoric is every yeah, yeah I, know, I, hate, I, know. I hate that I, I, because it yeah, infantilizes a lot of people saying that I yeah, had it. infantilizes the man. I hate it as well. Um, but often it's just like justifying they're they're okay to exactly. be a child. Yeah. You know, it's stupid. It's not. They're like your partner is your partner. He's he's not a child. 
yeah, like do something about yeah, it. And children, and <laughs> when know, I think in, when they say that, yeah. they mean often children can get away with a lack of accountability, or they're forgiven much quicker. And so when you're mm-hmm. when you think of your husband as someone you to take care of, like a child, then you're essentially saying like. This person can get away with anything, and it's my job as the wife and the mother to pick up his shit. And Ugh. I have to say that a lot yeah. of women do that because, and and like yeah. I don't blame them because we operate in a world where like it's just easier to move on from that and accept it. And we have to. There is no better alternative. Maybe I don't know.、Mm. I wish there were. Yeah, I I feel like it's. It's not an equal relationship when your when your partner is behaving or you're treating your partner like a child. Seriously, like you know, there's no mutual respect or whatsoever. It's like appreciation from your child should be a different appreciation from your partner, and also the actions is definitely different. Yeah, yeah, I、you、think、know? um actions like. Da da da! You know that whole adage: actions speak louder than words. Like the the thing that Matt said about leaving his、mm. leaving his uncleaned dish by the dish by the sink. It basically you're sending the message that um your time is not as worthy as mine. Like I have important shit to do, and you clean up my shit. That's、yeah. basically what、mm-hmm. he's saying. You know, and I know a couple of friends who have、yeah. said to me like, you know, they've. Complain to me like their boyfriends leave socks on the floor, and then the girlfriends end up picking it up. You know, little things like that, they speak volumes. You know, little behaviors,、mm. and like, um, what was that?、Yeah. That what was that movie with um Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, The Wedding Singer? You know, when they talk about how it's the very little things that make up a person. Yeah, I yeah, really yeah, believe yeah. that it's the really、mm-hmm. small gestures, that, that really tell the world and indicate. How you feel about your partner, you know? Like I remember, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember Dad once when we were watching a documentary. When I think I was like eight or nine, I was very young, and he after we、mm-hmm. watched this documentary, he was like, "Did you?" And and we were watching a documentary where two scientists, a male and a, a male and a female, they're married. They were being interviewed、mm-hmm. at the same time, and then my dad was like, "Did you notice the way the wife always looked at the husband when he spoke?" And I was like, yeah, I noticed that. And he said that shows that she respects、mm-hmm. him. And then I always thought, yeah, that's great. But what yeah, about, and then he yeah. didn't mention the other way around.、Another、yeah, and I also、around. didn't notice whether the husband was looking at the wife.、Um, mm-hmm. But like, I think that you're right. When two people engage in a marriage, you really need to think about like what what you're prepared to do. And how, like, and I think it's an emotional, yeah, it's an emotional a,、mm-hmm. leap of faith that, and it's also like, I think faith is a very beautiful thing, like outside of religion, obviously. And I'm not a、mm-hmm. religious person, but、mm-hmm. I, I try to be very、mm-hmm. faithful, and I, I always have hope. So I guess I am a very faithful person,、um, and loyal. But、um, I, I think the beauty, like, I don't think, I don't know how I feel about. Whether or not I'll be married, I think I definitely want to find a long-term p- companion. I mean, if I did get married, I think it would be this. I think it would be this romantic ideal of seeing myself as someone who is prepared to take the emotional and psychological and spiritual leaps in order to 
be at one with someone else, like to be really completely prepared to alter myself in a way that doesn't diminish myself for the betterment of that other person. And then the hard thing is that you want, you have to trust that, the yeah, same. you have to trust that the man but you want the is going to do yeah, the same yeah. to you. And that's what I think is, makes me really nervous about engaging in a relationship with a man because men grow mm-hmm. up believing that they're, they're the king of the world and they like, you know, they, they have so many things that just tell them that their stories are valid and, and everything around them, especially women, accommodate mm-hmm. around them. And so, like, it's hard for me mm-hmm. to place trust in the idea that the man will, will, will try and reach for me in the way that I reach for him, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it is a very romantic ideal that I still have in my head, but it definitely makes me suspicious mm-hmm. and it wants me more to engage with um, a, a female as a romantic partner and an Asian female, someone who has actually lived in a body like mine, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in saying so that I, um, I did a like a quick re, I, I did a quick, you know, so the the re, uh, research with the uh, one of the, my Facebook group with all the Chinese women in it who's living in Australia, asking them about you know domestic chores and their partners, um, whether or not they need to remind their partners to do. The domestic chores. Uh, funny enough, um, there's actually more uh, women who uh, s- say that oh, they don't need to mention, but they are bits and pieces that they do mention. But with the discussion below the um, votings, uh, one of the a, a lot of women did say that yeah, I still have to you know um, remind him to do this mm. and that. But most of the time, he's most of the time he's fine. So I don't know whether or not they just eventually put up with it, you know, and justify it's oh it's just normal. And there is one comment um, left my by a friend. Um, she said that um, her husband doesn't need her to remind to do a lot of things, or most of the things, because he grew up in the household, whereas his in laws function the very equal um partnership in domestic Well they're white or Asian. So that's why how or black. Um what well, she she's Asian and the hus- the husband's So white. the white husband grew up with parents yeah, who husband. were very who with shared who were very domestic roles. Who shared domestic right. chores and they respect each other in doing so. Yeah. So she said that she's pretty lucky. Well, let's clone know, this guy, comparing. spread him out. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Um, should we continue to talk about Annabelle Crabbe's wife drought? Okay. What do you want to say? Yeah. Um, so in her book, we want to bring, we want to reference this book um, because we're thinking about, you know, how unfair in the sense of the relationship um, can I just say economically? Can I just that, say? Sorry, mm-hmm. I want to summarize this book in a couple of words. So this book is basically okay, saying like the reason why we have male leaders, and most white male leaders, mm-hmm. is because they have wives back home. And if like mm-hmm. women had wives, mm-hmm. then we would just be reaching these positions of authority as well. You know. Yeah. That's yeah. ostensibly what the yeah. book is so, trying to get at. Yeah, so she's saying that the woman needs wives and man needs lives. You know, essentially, when her book was uh, published, there's a research of the 
number of breadwinners, like the percentage amongst the um, nationally around Australia. So there's sixty percent of male breadwinners compared to three percent of female breadwinners. You know, such a big disparity. You know, can and, I also just um, butt in there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, out of say thirty couples I know, not one of them mm-hmm. I can think of is where the woman. Yeah. More. Or is the breadwinner. Yeah. Or the one yeah. who takes yeah. the breadwinner. And I'm yeah. so like pissed off about yeah. that, by the way. I just like yeah. yeah. I think it's a universal issue among all the culture backgrounds, you know. I mean, it, it feels like the progress has stopped once the the partners become to have especially when they start having children. And I think yeah. children comes playing in the big and part. And I hate and um, this is why I always go back to the visceral anger I feel against gender. Is because like one of my mm. best friends, he's a male, a straight male, and he said that he mm. um he said he and he's so vi- he's so like honest with me, which is what I really appreciate. And he said, if my wife earned more than me, I wouldn't like it because I'd feel emasculated. And um yeah, you know, okay. and why is that? Is because we've had like millennial, millennial, mil- like the whole world up until like maybe a hundred years ago, um, told a man mm-hmm. that he had to be, he had to be the the greater, greater than the woman in order to feel like a man. Yeah. Like I don't want I don't want yeah. these words men or women in our rhetoric in our in our everyday colloquial dialogue in in Narratives. yeah in in yeah. for five hundred years time. Like I just want to refer to people as human mm-hmm. beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's it's so annoying that. Um... There's a proverb in Chinese. Um, it says, um, 每一个成功的男人背后有一个伟大的女人. So essentially, it just means that behind every, every man, behind every successful success, successful man, there is a great woman. You know, it's such a sexist proverb. Like you know, the man gets all the credit while the woman, you know, their partner is invisible to public. Um, but it's the truth. I, I look up the truth. Uh, one like, of the, that's what history. Yeah, it, yeah. it is the truth. But it's, but it makes the rhetoric, in in you know, ingrained into our you know ideas and the articles that was written is like saying it's trying to frame that you know how, woman should be like stand behind a successful man. You spoke about you know Steve Jobs' wife Lauren and also, you know that the big. Um, uh, oh, how, how should I mm. name that? The, it's a humongous um, entrepreneurship called uh, Ma Yun. Uh, Alibaba oh, yeah, Jack Ma. of China. You know, yeah, yeah, Ma Yun. And the, the writer mentioned his wife, but he's not even given, he, he didn't even mention her name <laughs> in the article. You know, and the article su- goes on and suggesting, uh, you know, being a great woman behind a successful man, what you should be doing. And what you you know you should be doing for the sake for the man. It's just to me, it's just so fucked. And it's a really recent article. It's in Chinese. You know, it's just telling the woman that you know you should be there to support yeah, yeah, yeah. your man. And all our movies, like like handle his everyday, yeah, everyday yeah. chores. Handle his kids. Handle his parents. Handle his like, laundry. What the fuck? Handle those things that are not valued yeah, by society. I.e., they're not paid. <sighs> work that kind of work is not paid because the world has been set up by men in a capitalist structure where those things like picking up the laundry and 
wiping shit off your baby's bottom is not paid. That's what、mm. I want to keep saying. And, and also, and, yeah, and also the language is around the society. We use, we still there's a、um, subtle language usage amongst not not even just across both genders to communicate with、um, women at work and men doing domestic chores. Yeah. You know, when woman's at work, like people or the society start questioning her. Oh, when you gonna get married? When you gonna have kids? It's just, I thought that this kind of conversation has long gone and we move forward. But when I looked up, it's it's still there. You know, whereas you we're still taught. You know, congratulating men who are doing a bit of child. Oh、well, yeah, double standard. Know, and still using the word help. When you know when it's not help, it's it's your fucking ha- household, you know. Like you, you don't help around your own household. You do the things. Yeah, you, and I'm、yeah. also astonished to see the way in which men's lives quickly get back to norm, relative norm, after they have children. Whereas a woman's life, it really is. It really fundamentally changes. Like it changes. I'm, I'm spectacularly yeah, it changes so much. Like the stories I hear about my girlfriends、um, who are married to husbands. I sometimes am quite aghast、mm-hmm. by the ways in which the husbands take the their wives' time for granted, and they just expect the wife to always be at home, and he can go out and have like he can go out and see his friends, and like just the、mm-hmm. way in which the male life continues and operates,、um, mm-hmm. in a way that like as though he didn't have kids. It just it doesn't happen for women,、mm. and I'm astonished. I'm like continually astonished by that、um, phenomena. Yeah, yeah. I, I really want to encourage, like our female listeners, whether or not that you want you you know you're committed to a relationship now, or you're in marriage. Um, really take time to look after yourself. That's what I want to say. You know, like don't stop doing whatever that you're doing. You know, compared to. After you have kids, like like you like what you just say about your friends. I do have like I'm lucky enough.、Uh, I don't I don't know whether or not I should be using the word lucky, but I just feel that it should be be a, the norm. You know, like my partner, um, can acknowledge can acknowledge that I have、uh, social circles outside of family, and I actually do. I actually go out more often than him to see my friends. But I I have friends who female friends who are mothers. When we suggest going out, and the first thing that they will just tell me is that oh, but my but my hu- my husband doesn't want to look after the kids. How does that make you, know? you feel? And I was just thinking, I feel like, what? What do you mean? You know that? Like, why did you have kids? The kids <laughs> is his as well. Like, yeah. Why? Why the fuck do you have kids? And like, like they're telling me that oh, um. He doesn't know how to look after kids. It's like just leave the kids with him, then you will he will eventually pick it up himself. It's like we don't know how to ha- you know take care of kids when we first have the baby. You know, you just learn, and if you just neglect and let him off the hook at the very start,、yeah. of course he's gonna and you know excuse himself or saying that oh I don't know how to yeah, do it. Yeah, the lazy rhetoric in which people say our、oh, women know how to take care of kids better. That's um. Hello, that's men. No, that's that's, that's male narrative there for you. Seriously, so、mm. I, I'm like, I'm I'm always crippled when I crippled with sort of disbelief when I step back and and 
and really like if you think about it everything that everything every single piece of information or idea or belief that I've ever had in my brain up until like if I unless I confront myself and step back and interrogate it every single belief attitude they were composed my by white men like the yeah like yeah. the ideas I have you were looking uh, at the frame of the Western yeah, culture. Yeah, and, and by men. And if you're and looking men. at other cultures, it will be men. Yeah, yeah. it's either a man yeah. or a white person that's colonized my brain yeah. and has told me that I need to look this way, that I need to speak this way, that I need to wear my hair this way. Like today mm-hmm. I, was, um, I was watching Jan Fran um, speaking on a webinar yeah, oh, yeah. Um, with um, Tala Lambert um, and she, Jan Fran made the most ludicrous, insightful. Um, she she said she she just made the point that um, in commercial televised TV, you never see girls, you never see women with curly hair. Like all the women have straight hair. Have you noticed that? Like all the mm-hmm. broadcasters and presenters. And then journalists have straight hair, um, like, I, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's okay. so true." I haven't yeah. taken notice, but um, yeah, like, yeah. thing, it's a tiny thing, but it's a massive thing, you know. It's so indicative of the way mm-hmm. in which everything up until fifty years ago, um, has been everything, everything that we do and the way that we see ourselves has been through a white male lens, and so it just, it's just mm-hmm. gonna have to take mm-hmm. five. I think five hundred years. <laughs> I just keep thinking years. 500 years. I don't know why. Okay, let's just say 200. 200 years for all of that to dissipate and be dismantled, you know. And and the and the rhetoric uh, that you had with um, you know, the typical there's a great woman behind it. There's a woman behind a great man. It just like when I hear that, when I and then I you know how I responded by saying it's true. Um I I, I it's true and I hate that truth, you know? Like I hate a lot of truths mm-hmm. in the world. And like I often yep. think of when I think of that is um Ma- Gustav Mahler's wife Alma, and she was um you know Mahler everyone fucking knows Mahler you know but who the hell knows his wife yep. and she was a amazing composer, um and and a musician and she was never recognized and he actively told her to stop working so that and he literally said like there are biographies of him written there are tons and tons mm-hmm. of ink spent on Gustav Mahler this man who, quote, mm-hmm. said to his wife, do not work on your creativity. I am the genius. Your life is spent dedicated mm-hmm. to nurturing my genius. Okay? And word for word, yeah, you can you can put that so quote, you can put that idea onto every, a lot of, not, I won't say every, but a lot of men who have, who have biographies written of them. You know, like um, Clara Schumann, mm-hmm. married to Robert Schumann. You know, a lot of people know Robert Schumann. Yeah, I was going yeah. to um, yeah. She was a... Was like, she stopped fucking touring because she had to take care of... I don't know how many kids they had, like eight. Yeah. Eight kids. Yeah. Come eight. on. Like, <laughs> I just... it. Like, and when I think about that, hell, I just really... um. I don't know if it's just I something about me, also... but I just... It really hurts me, you know, because I'm a woman as well. It yeah. hurts me that some other woman had to give up her I, I life. I think... Little, because of her husband. Little girls have um, been, I don't want to use the word brainwashed, but they've been so been influenced by the social construction from very young to to care yeah, for exactly. men. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, in their stories, in their fairy tales. Um, it's just, it's scary. <laughs> I know. look into a lot of scary tales. That's why I don't let my kids watch them or read them to have the framework or the ideas of romanticizing how a heterosexual partner should be. You know, and they all talk about yeah, love. Love is this like, but defining that love thing. Is is a trap? Advantage for the male. Yeah, yeah exactly. But definitely not for female. For, for female, yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah. It's and they are. Those stories are. Uh, the kids, the well, the little girls. I think they are being taught to believe that it is the norm. You know, it is. It is what you're supposed to do, or that's how you should be feeling about love. It's so fucked. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Yeah. And I, and like, Gia Tolentino has this amazing quote, which I am trying to find her book around me so I can quote it word for word, but I can't find it. My bookshelf is a mess. Um, but she says in her essay, I the dread, or maybe it was another one. Uh, I don't remember. But anyway, she says in her essay, that a lot of the goals in which women aspire to, the goals that we've been taught to want to have in our lives, are literally, actually, they're actually things that make men's lives better. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. where A, be a wife, B, have children, C, um, be like the perfect supporter figure for your husband. And, you know, like you said, all these movies all these movies and stories, stories and movies really, like I can't stop saying this, have so much to to, to be responsible. To, to, they have so much to call for, like to answer for, sorry, in terms of um, the way in which this narrative of the things that we reach for in life have been, mm-hmm. have been, um, we're, we're brainwashed. Literally, it's just easy yeah. with that. It's, we're <laughs> it's brainwashed just, it's just, as yeah. young girls into thinking that, um, to be the love of a man's life, to be chosen by a man, is the greatest. It's like your value. I think yeah. it's the word value. Exactly. Girls or women find their value to yeah, we're valued, be yeah. in love in the relationship, by a man. and then by a man. Will, yeah, and you will need to commit yourself in <sighs> sacrificing yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, know, and the, an as those sacrifices, yeah, as those sacrifices, an act of love, exactly. And and often that sacrifice is a diminishment of who we are and our desires, you know. Like that's yeah. one big thing that I really want to explore in my personal writing, is this idea of what does it mean. Like the, before when I said I'm not interested in the question, what does it mean to be a man, it's because there are literally centuries of books published by men. Yeah, so much you know, narratives. Narratives around, around what it means to be a man. But man like, I'm more interested in what it means to be a woman because that hasn't had a lot of ink written about it, you know? And like, what it means to be a woman um, today seems really interesting because like Me Too movement really showed us, showed the world what women don't want, right? We don't want to be sexually harassed in the workplace or like mm-hmm. catcalled. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But but it ha- but what now remains the gap is um, what do we want? You know, how do I be sexually desired as a woman by a man without the potential for violence against me? Like how how do mm-hmm. I situate myself as an erotic being without being diminished as just yeah. a solely erotic being? You know, mm-hmm. and I we just have it's a cultural problem. Like we have a, too fewer 
sorry, we have too few stories that are complex and really engage with a woman who is interested in sex and interested in having a complex life and interested in centering herself in mm-hmm. a way that, you know, men have always had. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it's and, mm-hmm. and you know, and, like, I, I was watching um, the first episode of uh, the new series Love Life mm-hmm. on Stan with Anna Kendrick, who mm-hmm. I kind of have, like, a heart, um, a hate, love-hate relationship. Like, she can be super annoying, but she can also be quite... I don't know. I feel like she's a manic pixie dream girl, and... Mm-hmm. Um, the first episode already, I'm really, really annoyed because she's a white character and all of her friends and her boyfriends are people of colour. And it just, for, for me, it's a visceral feeling of, like, uh, we're still being sidelined and also the central narrative around a white woman basically says to the world that... Um, and, and also to title it Love Life is so sort of, like, grand, you know, just, like, mm-hmm. normal people is such a grand... Like, normal mm-hmm. people is actually not normal mm-hmm. people. It's white people, you know? And mm-hmm. it's still... And if we keep yeah. framing these stories where it's just the central character is white, what we're basically saying to the world is only white people deserve these narratives. Like, only mm-hmm. white people... White people are the emblems of the human condition. Mm-hmm. That's what I really hate. Mm. I think that's why that I've... I've kind of been more selective about what I watch nowadays on Netflix. Like, I, I, I prefer to go through, um, like, non-English language mm-hmm. dramas mm-hmm. or films first. And, you know, I watch Japanese animations as well. Mm-hmm. And besides that, I, I try to watch something that's more non-white male centering mm-hmm type of entertainment mm-hmm. i mean I, I just told you this morning that i watch afterlife but that's just totally different because because i really wanted to explore that that topic about male grievance you know yeah. or, which we will talk about in another podcast um but yeah i i, I think i've been more selective about what i'm watching now you know just trying to get my mindset out of just focusing on the white perspectives yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think the reason why I do consume a lot of mainstream stuff and then end up criticizing it and interrogating it is because I'm interested in what what most people um what what brings in the money, I guess, you know. And yeah. and, yeah, it's, it's and it, obviously it's still people like Anna Kendrick with a white face, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's white people who play these two dismally boring and self self-pitying teenagers in normal people um it's it's um it's exhausting but i have to say um i love adam driver and <laughs> i went over to a friend's place and saw we we um, watched um a new a film that was recently added on netflix i believe and it's called uh, this is where i leave you mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. And the central character is Jason Bateman, who is a white man. He's a star of Arrested Development, and the and the role of um, basically Jason Bateman um, has a kind of perfect career, and when the movie opens, his wife. Um, sorry, when the movie opens, he's going back home, 
um, and he has a cake in his hand to celebrate his uh, wife's birthday to surprise her and then he finds her in bed with another guy and it's quite graphic and the other guy is actually his boss and Mm -hmm. so um, and then I think a couple of days later his father dies and there is Jewish family uh, non-practicing Jewish family and the mother played by Jane Fonda and insists that they stay back um, for seven days for Shiva, the seven days of mourning. So we, we like a ceremony thing. So he goes back to his hometown, and then lo and behold, he meets um, Rose Byrne, who was this girl that had a crush on him um, when he, mm. they were younger. And Rose Byrne is there um, to pick him up. She is the girl that is now made available to this torn torn guy after a breakup and um that that relationship that 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 role that rose Byrne had in the movie really angered me and it hurt me because Mm -hmm. you know like why did they have to bring in this woman on the sideline to fulfill this man's emotional gap you know and of course they fuck yeah it, it seems like it's just a very the rhetoric that has been gone for a really long time like forever like yeah forever and like how come they can't just have like a male character yeah isn't it that's instead of question. a woman like, yeah why couldn't yeah like, they exactly. have to bring and and the role of the woman is always like the ro- romance in it yeah like, exactly it's always we're, sex we're always and a romance entity. and that's we're it always, yeah we're always a sexual there's always a part of us that men need yeah. to it feels exhausting <laughs> yeah it is it feels like, exhausting like, just to talk about it yeah, yeah it's like every single guy needs a a vagina to to penetrate you know to 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 fix him or something like that no oh, it's it's unbelievable yeah. but um, i have so much yeah. to say i can't wait to write about this film because so many aspects of it made me deeply deeply uncomfortable but also like mm-hmm. this film is so indicative of the problems that we're talking about like racism and sexism Mm -hmm. like um Mm -hmm. adam driver's character um is he is like the bad the black sheep black dog of the family and he and his girlfriend is like um a a woman who also happens to be his ex-therapist and he she's about 20 or 30 years older than him Mm -hmm. and i find her character the most like i related to her the most because there's this one point where um, she talks to there's this one moment where he's talking where she's talking to Adam when she's talking to Jason Bateman and she says to to asks Jason about um, Adam Driver she's like mm-hmm. um, oh, I, you know I am a successful woman and yet I've you know I've ticked all the great boxes and yet I've fallen in love with a with a boy you know like and I feel like mm-hmm. all of us all of us women grow up feeling like in order There's to become a full some flaw. Yeah, in, like in order to become a full human being, a, a woman, we need to fulfill we need to be engaged with a man um and you know, setting his path along that whatever his path may be um mm. it just it, we're always the subs, we're always on the periphery, you know, we're never mm. yeah, it's annoying. we're never the main character. Um, mm-hmm. and when we are like yeah. Wonder Woman, we're this unbelievably ridiculous iteration of a woman. You know, like how many people look like Gal Gadot? You know, 
Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. Like that whole movie just That's sexualizes right. her. Wonder Woman yeah. was not feminist at all. No, no. Because they always said they, there's like romance in it. Like I'm trying there's to. Romance, like yeah. also like, like I'm being selective about what I watch and also what I want my kids to watch. Um, that's something that I was going like, oh, I don't know if we got time for this, but I'm just going to quickly go through it. That's one. That's something that I was thinking to write about. Um, Clone Wars is a like a sub animation of Star Wars mm-hmm. franchise. You know, such a big thing. Um, I really enjoy watching Clone Wars. It's got eight seasons in it, but one of the main female character, Ahsoka, which my daughter adores and loves her. Um, there's zero, zero romance all throughout eight seasons of her character. Mm. So her character is built on her commanding like a squad, you know, in doing the war. So mm. I, I mm. loved how they have her on the series um, that she just have zero romance intention that is portrayed. Yeah, so that's something that I'm hoping to see more out of, you know, like you said, mainstream entertainment. What I want to say is that I hope that we continue to work towards better models and that mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. and TV, TV shows and books no longer rely on the cis heteropatriarchal model that has yeah, been especially scenes for the kids. Yeah, that has been operating since the dawn of civilization. Mm. Um, and I hope that I just I the thing with the the thing that's happening on social media and the performance of virtue virtue and the performance of attention, the performance of attention and care, because that's ostensibly what it is. People are posting mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. of lines on their Instagram or posting images to show the world that they care. But I don't give a fuck about this show. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck about what you mm-hmm. post online. Like, that's not you. You know, the, mm-hmm. the people who actively... are genuinely care, who, people who are genuine, genuinely care about making the world a better place, i.e., backing spending hours and hours and hours of your time reading books by Mm. people who are not white or people who are not straight or people who are not um male they're the ones who i want to spend time with you know yeah like care and attention is not a performance yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not a performance it's thoughts and prayers you know how usually after it's, a shooting, it's all the medias and politicians is coming out saying that sort and prayers. It's all BS. Like there's no actions to it. Yeah. I think generally what we've been this discussion we've had today has made me think about how. Like I've always felt wrong. Like I've always felt sh- maybe not shame, but I've always felt there was something wrong with me because I'm not born in the right century. Like I think. Mm-hmm. I would have been more suited to the 50s, um, not because of the gender politics, because in the 50s I would have probably just sliced my wrist um, very quickly once I realised, <laughs> once once I hit, like, 18, because just literally how does a woman survive in the 50s? I don't know, unless she was, like, really rich and white. Um, but what I mean by the 50s is, um, I don't know, I just I hate how it's so normal to perform. Everyone is so performative these days you know and how do we cut through that crap you know like how do we Mm -hmm. engage with people 
in a way that like I'm 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 lucky because I think the way I move through the world um is also isn't is is shows that I mean my friends are all people who are very deeply genuine and care about these issues and you know they mm -hmm. they don't they don't perform to the extent that you know a lot of people who I'm complaining about do um but that's why they matter these people who just you know genuinely put in the work and don't have to broadcast it that's what I really hate the broadcast of attention and care mm -hmm. I hate that so much I think it just makes me so angry that we live in a world where the performance of someone and the broadcast of of attention and the broadcast of care um, is valued over people who actually don't broadcast all of that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just their action is louder than yeah. whatever they exactly. produce on social media. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, hopefully even with the performative acts that it is bringing more awareness to a lot more people, but perhaps just... Um, like you said, you know, be selective about what you're reading, what you're watching, and especially your actions, you know. Like I wanna tell my girlfriends that just like especially on the on the um subjects of gender and being a wife or slash husband, um, between that relationship, um, just take care of yourself. Yeah. And also perhaps help others to take care of themselves. Like I, I, I do speak up for my friends sometimes, but um, at the end of the day, unless that you want to make a change like yourself, it's not easy to do so. You know, even if I keep on telling them to do something, yeah. Yeah. Anything like, else that you want to add? I like that you. Um, I like that you mention the importance of women looking after themselves because we're not taught to do that. Um, mm -hmm. we we're often, taught to look after our other people. We 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 often don't know how to look after ourselves. Mm. Um, mum, I remember when I was growing up, mum, mum and dad both ne never had any hobbies outside of their roles as parents, and and when mm. I would tell her that, oh, my white friend's parents, you know, go golfing or something, she would say, oh, that's selfish. I remember her saying that, like, uh, as though having a life outside of the role of the parent is selfish. And that's the attitude that my mum grew up with, you know, which is really sad. Uh, I remember mum saying to me once, I think this is like very early days when we first arrived Australia, like at this beside a swimming pool. Mm. And she saw a white mum bought like um, icy pops. And she saw a white mom open the icy pops with her kids standing in front of her, yeah. and the mom took a bite first. Yeah. And my, and our mom immediately turned around and said to me, "How can that mother be so selfish? She took yeah. a bite before her kids." Yeah. 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 And like it's like, it's so and funny. I was, I think I was very young. I was still like, you know, eleven or twelve. Like you immediately, like she's immediately telling me that when I'm when I become a mother, I put my kids first. You know, I don't put myself first. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Helen, it's been really nice to chat to you um, on your birthday today.
Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. A lot of deep, visceral, great conversation today. Yeah, conversations that mm-hmm. just yeah, I'm constantly angry, <laughs> exhausted <laughs> by my yeah. own anger and yeah. despair. I think yeah, but yeah, take care of yourselves, everyone, and um, for all the women out there, mm-hmm. or the females or the female identifying individuals, um, put yourself first. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is sexy to me. What's sexy is someone who's confident and just be yourself. Just yeah. It's so hard to be yourself, though. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. Really. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Remember to yeah, remember to um su- subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're now on Spotify Woo-hoo. and Sounder. Um, review us. Um, we'd love to hear from you and check out our Facebook page. Um, we're always hoping to connect with other people around the world. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.